0: So, good morning. Um, I'm Donna Gentry, um, as Brenda introduced me a while ago. I've been with the Master Farmer program for about 19 years now. Um, some of you have heard of the program, I'm sure, because it has been around for a long time. Some of you may be participating in the program, but the program was developed in 2001 in response to what was considered impending regulation with regard to water quality issues that we have in the state. Now, if you look at a land use map of Louisiana, you know that it's mostly agriculture and forestry. So with over 10,000 named water bodies, when there's a water quality issue with regards to nutrients and sediments and things like that, who do you think they're gonna look at? You know, agriculture sometimes is pointed out um, as a potential contributor to some of these water quality issues. So the program was created, um, like I said, about 20 years ago, um, to make producers and landowners more aware of some of these water quality issues and also about the practices, the BMPs and conservation practices um, that can be used to address some of these water quality issues. Uh, one of these practices. Good
1: feedback.
0: One of these practices um, is cover crops. Now cover crops have a lot of benefits. The primary reason people plant cover crops Um, is to cover the land, to cover the soil. Typically during the winter time, and that's when we get the most rain, although this summer's been a a little bit different. um, Keep that soil cover, keep it protected from the environment, from erosion and things like that. So uh, what we want to do today, our part of the the little demonstration, is use a small-scale rainfall simulator to look at the difference between covered soil and non-covered soil. Now James Hendricks is gonna talk a little bit about Uh, what is going to go on here. But, you know, when you get a rain, a one inch rain or two inch rain, you think, oh great, I've needed it. You know, it's all going to soak in. Well, that doesn't always happen. Um, And some of that depends on your soil type, depends on your organic matter, depends on the type of cover you have out there, whether it's natural vegetation or something you planted, the density of that vegetation. So a lot of variables contribute to how much water actually goes into that soil. Um, and soil type is a big part of that as well. So I'm going to ask James to come over and talk a little bit about um, the simulation and kind of give you a visual of what can happen when you get some of this rainfall and does it always go in? Does it always percolate through the soil profile? Sometimes, sometimes not. So James Hendricks also works in the Master Farmer program. He's a conservation agronomy agent. He works up in the northeast part of the state, but he does a lot of cover crop projects and I'm going to let him come talk about this um,
2: I want to welcome you all here today. This is the first time I've been on Mr. Key's farm, but I'm glad I had this opportunity. I'm up from the northeast part of the state uh, in St. Joseph. I work with the Northeast Research Station and the Master Farmer Program and conservation agronomist for the Northeast region. Uh, Cover crops are a big deal up there in the north right now, And, uh, and we see it all over the state of Louisiana. And uh, in fact, in Tinsall Parish, what we said, my wife luckily works for a farm service agency, so she's able to get us some of the data that we get back from uh, USDA. And uh, actually the amount of cover crops, even in that parish, since the work that we've been doing up in that area has like more than doubled and tripled in acreage. So it's showing that it's doing its job, it's working, Uh, the research station that we're on, we have over a third of the land in that research station tied up in some type of cover crop research. And work with Dr. Fultz, Dr. Tabanya, and we have, of course, the project up in Newton. Uh, We have a lot, a lot of things going on and a lot of great data that's coming out that I think is gonna benefit agriculture in the future. Y'all seen the rainfall simulators, NRCS has some, uh, actually Master Farmer program. We have one too, one of the larger versions. This is what we use when we do, you know, quick and dirty type educational uh, works with, uh, with um, FFA groups, with 4-H groups or in schools. I spend a lot of time teaching classes in some of the high schools, and uh, so this is the type of thing that we're using. What we did is, I, I yesterday Don and I came out and set up some of the stuff, but I didn't want to get caught out here on Mr. Key's farm and get arrested or anything, you know, digging up his soil or anything. So what I did was I brought some soil that I picked up yesterday morning. Uh, this is commercial silt loam soil, and. Uh, this is from one of the projects that we have. We have one that we just we just dissed, and we have a conventional tillage system going on. The other is where we actually did a harvest uh, in corn, and I went in, because right now we have a whole lot of millet that's growing in this corn, which is great, because we use corn regrowth and, and this millet and these grasses as a cover crop until we can get our cover crops established. And so anyway, I went ahead and I said, well, I'll just take a core out of this. Now, understand this stuff has traveled over 200 miles to get here, and so uh, we have to have it at the right soil moisture because we want it to be wet when we do this. But what we're gonna do is we're gonna pour the water in here so you can kind of get an idea of what goes on. Because when you look at this, as, as far as the soil aggregate stability, you know, of this soil holding itself together. We don't want the soil to run off because Brenda Bond will be mad with us. Uh, we don't want all of our nutrients to leave and that's what's gonna be happening. A lot of erosion that's gonna be going on and so what we want these soils to do is hold together and generally your soil texture has a lot to do with that um (coughs) your soil microorganisms has a lot to do with that and um what other thing i was thinking of um anyway We'll get to it later on. Your organic matter, organic matter, and that's what we do in these cover crops for, to get all these microorganisms in the soil so we can get some stability with the soil. So, what we're going to do is go ahead and pour this in there. Y'all kind of watch what goes on. Like I say, hopefully, this will work out the way it's supposed to, but long drive. So, all we're going to do is simulate what a rainfall event. Of course, this one here has a lot of vegetation in it. This other one is, like I say, freshly disc.
1: So you can pretty much
2: watch kind of what's going on. Of course, the front containers up there catching actual runoff is coming from the rainfall event, from the erosion standpoint. And also what we're trying to look at is what percolates through the soil. How much of it actually is percolating through the soil, what the color of it is. And I think it's pretty much self-explanatory if you take a look. Y'all can come up here and look closer. Uh, This wasn't a staged event. Like I say, I collected these soil samples yesterday. We put them to the right moisture brought them down here and they travel to the field and there's your results. Anybody have any questions? What do y'all think?
3: How many tons of acres did you just lose? A lot. How many pounds of soil
2: per acre? A lot. Right now, Donna was asking me earlier and everything, when we we're, when we were doing this, we do the calculations, but I couldn't tell you right now on this until we actually dried it down and weighed it out. But quite a bit. Quite a bit.
0: But, you know, as James was saying, when you see the soil, uh, when you see the water coming off of the soil that doesn't have a cover, and that could be because of weed control, you know, you're spraying something out there, non-selective, it's killing everything. It could be uh, conventional tillage. I mean, there's a lot of reasons that the soil is bare. Sometimes you can't help it, you know, just because of the way you farm. But at the same time, when you do have rainfall, you see what's coming off. With that sediment, you're carrying the nutrients, you're carrying... Uh, pesticides you know you're carrying the sediment which may have your organic matter so there's a lot of things coming off of this besides just water okay and you're not necessarily getting the water that you need uh, infiltrated through the soil profile so it's just something to think about you know obviously we we promote it and rcs promotes having some type of cover out there if you can Um, you know but you have to have a balance with your production system and what works for you with your farming and everything, but hopefully, you can get an idea of, of what's going on on the soil surface and under, uh, underneath the soil surface.
2: And this is what's important right here. I mean, this is runoff, it's going to be carrying your nutrients, going to be carrying your soil with it. Okay, this is what came from where we had the cover. And so, where did all that water go? When the ground where we wanted it to go, this right here is a nightmare for rivers and streams and the Gulf of Mexico. This is where the problem lies, right here. So what we want to do is maintain and keep as much water on our soil, on our in our soil, with the nutrients there, so that we don't have all these erosion issues and lose all these nutrients. All the tests that we're doing, I think Dr. Fuchs is going to mention all the, the work we're doing with the samplers and everything. But we actually are analyzing everything that's coming off these fields, So we I'll, I'll let her take over from here. All right. Thank you.
1: Donna and James. Um, I'm not actually part of the Master Farmer program, but I've had the great opportunity to work with them and sort of horn my way into a lot of their projects uh, because they're doing some pretty amazing work um, with with, uh, education and and sharing everything. So what James did here on the small scale is what we're replicating on the large scale in the fields like what you see behind me and what we have established at Newellton at the Hardwick um, Farm for cotton and grain production. So you can see we have this setup right here behind me. This is an automated water sampler. It's from the ISCO company. And what it allows us to do is anytime it rains, we have water that comes down the ditch through our flume. It flips on an actuator and it starts drawing a water sample out of that. And so it's actually collecting that runoff that you see in those front. Every time it registers there's water, it's pulling a sample of it and collecting it in that tan container there. Um, We have, and this is an ongoing project, particularly for Brenda and Donna, trying to make sure these things are running well. Um, and it and, w- allows us to not only monitor for how much sediment, so we could actually take these samples, measure the amount of sediment that's in there, but we can also look at how many, what nutrients are running off every time we get a rainfall event. And these actually allow us to monitor it over time. So we can see, are we seeing a lot of it flush off very early or is it coming off in waves? How is that happening? following a rainfall event. We also have a weather station set up um, closer to where we started this morning that allows us to monitor rainfall, temperature, soil moisture, and all of that. So we have kind of an idea of what's going on in the entire system. And what we've seen is that in the fields where we have these conservation or best management practices implemented, we're seeing less sediment runoff, um, decreased loss of nutrients and that kind of thing. So if you all wanna take some, a, a second and come look, you can see the flume, um, this was clean before the most recent rainfall events. So we do clean out the flumes, but you can see just even with the best management practices and the cane in the field, we are still seeing some sediment loss. So you can kind of see what that looks like. Okay. Does anyone have questions on any of that?
3: Okay. This land here is uh, freshly planted and there's no one- Right behind it. Yeah, right over here. And there's no cover crop or anything on it. How long would that take for
4: the new crop to? take over we should but the plan is here we're going we're going to spray it keep it to keep it clean and then we wait at, I don't know, about a couple of weeks four or five weeks then we'll plant some uh, cover crop. crops yeah. on it and when we are driving around you can look at the drainage mm-hmm. to see how much bean has that on it to see how much settlement actually came out that's here yeah for that being be all as a, as it be a good okay. Yeah, we're, we're actually going that, there. That's the next stop for the soil
1: and our the yeah. is, is In no cover because um, this we're, is BMP field, right? Yeah, this is yeah. a BMP field. So this is the field where we have one of the fields where um, we they have implemented the, the BMPs or best management practices, cover crops, sweeper, all of that. We are going to go by. You can actually kind of see it maybe back over um, at the far corner of that field, and that actually that's in a no cover crop or. Uh, farmer standard field, so we can actually see the differences between farmer standard, what people are doing, and what happens when you implement these cover crops, or and tillage, or sorry, not tillage, um, best management practices. Yeah.
3: So you're catching out of the point, what's coming out of that field, not out of this ditch? Right, exactly. So this
1: is, the way these fields are set up, it's fantastic. It allows us to monitor everything that runs through this field down to this ditch and into that would be running off the field this way. So we're pretty much catching anything that comes through that um, ditch coming off that field. So,
3: so tell me your, your plan for the cover crop. <coughs> how are you gonna, I mean,
4: it's compl- I'm conflicted, you know, we're we <clears throat> we're still working on ways of how to plant the cover crop because we try to plant it where <coughs> the cane will come up on top and we try to plant just the furrows, just the middles, but well, we don't let the, the cover crop, uh, compete with the cane. And then <clears throat> what we did, we took a, a, a spreader and we blocked off the middle where we passed, where it falls just in the middle of the of the rope. Where, uh, and then we established the cover crop there and we just let it grow until late spring when you're ready to work it. Uh, either we burn it down or. Uh, you just work it in. Okay, but, but you have, uh, if you put sincor out or tricore uh, tricor or
3: something, I mean, that's devastating on the legumes, I think. And well, I think,
4: and, and, well, uh, how do you get uh, through all that? Excuse me. He was asking about the cover crop. We normally spray it with Sencor or whatever, yeah. and we only wait a couple of weeks. Yeah, we're gonna talk. Uh, okay, we want yeah, six yeah, weeks. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's going to talk <laughs> more about yeah. yeah, so that's
1: something that uh, actually i and I've been working on is the effect of residuals on the cover crops and what does and or what kind of impact those have. So they will be talking about that here in just a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The same, same oh, <laughs> um. So. For, Y'all hear that? there We're going to be talking about the cover crops and the impacts of residuals and that kind of thing when we move around. So if there's any more questions on that stuff. Does anyone have any other questions about the water quality and, and that kind of work? Okay, the other thing I wanted to show you is you probably all have heard about soil health. And there are multiple ways that we can measure and monitor soil health. Um, and we have a lot of labs that are coming out that have the ability to do the test for it and everything. And what we wanted to show you today was one of the um, b- tests that is being done. Now, this is a sort of short term 24 hour incubation test yep. that can yep. be done. Um, the, a lot of the labs have moved. I can't hold this. I can't. Thank you, though. <laughs> you know, I'll get distracted. <laughs> um, and basically, what it does is you have these empty containers, and there's different ways you can do this. So this one allows us to do what is known as CO2 first. Essentially, you put dry soil in it, you allow it to wet, you put a paddle that absorbs CO2 into it, and it'll change color the more and more CO2 that it absorbs. And then we have a reader that can tell us approximately how much CO2 that is equal to. Um, And that's to get an idea of how much or the potential CO2 that could come out of your field um, at a given time. They also have ones that are set up sort of like this, where you could take field moist soil that you just collect right out of this field, you fill it to the line, you put the same paddle in, and basically you're measuring how much respiration is your soil doing at any given time, okay? And what it looks like, I set these up yesterday, and these are actually fairly old samples, and I'll pass them around. Pop that open. They start out a nice vibrant blue, sort of like what you see here, and you can see that it's got a little bit of color change and I'll pass these around so you can see them like this. So this one came out of a soil that was a commerce silt loam. This one I took from a bucket of sharky clay and you can see they're they're kind of washed out with the sunlight but as you get closer and I'll pass them around again, you can see this one's a lot more of a yellowish color which indicates it's absorbed more CO2 that's been produced than the other one. And so we have these readers that this particular company provides and it'll actually allow you to measure multiple different things. We buy it specifically to measure CO2 produced. So we'll set up for CO2 burst. It's really simple. You just slide it in, hit the read button. And this one is equivalent to or has absorbed about 41.8 Part per million co2 carbon just in the 12 hours that i had it set up so that's the commerce silt loam or sorry the sharky clay if i do the other one which was the commerce hit read it's at 12.2 so we can already see that the microbial activity in one of these is much lower than it is in the other one and that can be for a number of different reasons so co2 is not necessarily the greatest standalone What it tells me is that the microbial activity in that soil is much higher in one. Doesn't necessarily tell me what they're doing or why it's higher. Maybe the soil has more organic matter for them to break down. Maybe the microbial community is more adapted to dry and wet cycles. Um, So I have to do a little bit more investigating, but it does give me an indication of how active the microbial community is. And that's important because a more active microbial community means that you're seeing all of the organic matter and material that gets left on the soil surface especially in crops like sugarcane. They're helping to break down that residue and all of the nutrients that are tied up in that residue are getting released back into the soil and made available for the cover crop or the cash crop that you're growing next. Okay, and so I'll pass these around. Uh, I didn't mark them, but the one that's a more blue color is from the Commerce. And then the one that's a more yellowish color is from the sharky clay. And so you can visually see those differences. And so you can actually, they sell the kits without the reader and they have a little sheet where you can measure, or you can look at and compare the colors to give you an idea of where you have higher or lower CO2 production. So that's actually a perfect question and kind of goes back to why CO2 is not perfect on its own because we don't know how much carbon they're taking in and how much of it is getting turned into biomass and how much is getting released. So just because one is lower than the other doesn't necessarily mean that they're sequestering more carbon. It just means it's an it's an indication of activity. And so a lot of times we'll look at this in relation to things like soil organic matter carbon or total microbial biomass carbon. Because that gives us a a, a way to look at, are they producing a lot of carbon, but also assimilating or building a lot of carbon into their organic material or their biomass? Or are they pushing off a lot of CO2 and not incorporating a lot of it? Mm -hmm. And so generally, if they're pushing CO2 off, but they're also increasing the microbial biomass, then we say they're far more efficient at holding on to that carbon. Whereas if they're not growing the microbial biomass, but they are producing a lot of CO2, they're not very efficiently using that carbon resource. So it doesn't it won't necessarily give you an idea of sequestration, but it can give you an idea of activity and how active your microbial community is. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Other questions or anything else?
3: So when you follow a field, you follow yes. a field, and you didn't have soybeans on it, you just no, it fine. Fine. You plow it up and get it prepared to In cane, is is there a massive release of CO two because you're chopping all the root systems up?
1: Yeah. So and
3: and the the, the, uh, the second (coughs) part of the question would be the uh, the CO two in that soil that's been fallow Mm -hmm. versus this nice beautiful cane right here. Right. The soil there is there a difference? Yeah. Would there be a difference in you know in time? I imagine it, it's not like turning the switch on and off. It yeah. takes time, but exactly. it die the dye or this to bring in more uh, uh, CO2.
1: Exactly. So the first part of the question, if you're following a field after that tillage event, I would expect to see a flush of CO2 because you are, exactly, you're taking out organic matter that might be on the soil surface, you're chopping it up, making it into smaller pieces for the for the earthworms and the beetles and all of that thing, all those organisms living in your soil. And you're also introducing air to that soil at a deeper depth. And so they're able to break down that organic matter um, and release that CO2 fairly quickly. Now that will start to taper off as the um, organic matter decreases. And so over time, if I were to compare the CO2 just coming off on a daily basis from that field to this one, I would actually expect it to be lower in that one with some caveats than I would in this one. Because I would also expect that with the residue and the roots and everything here, you would have a more active microbial community that is continuing to break down that organic matter and those residues that are left behind. Whereas this one, they'll eat it up and then that community kind of will start to uh, decrease in activity because it doesn't have any more stuff to feed on until it gets more roots and that kind of thing and it is something that we expect to build up over time and that's why um we do like to monitor these for long term because some of those things do take time to build up um and before we start to really see the turnover and and the benefits from that any other questions i mean i'll talk about this stuff all day so (laughs)